When we think of the word table, we think of it as a noun. It's an object, typically with four or more legs, that you place things on, and we have tables for the most important things in life. The coffee table. It is named for its most important function. That coffee. But the vast majority of coffee tables actually support coffee for the least amount of time that they're actually used and functioning. The dining room table, that's where, in theory, you eat. Unless, of course, you have a TV tray table. Just slightly different. A changing table. This is very important for children, changing tables. It's very important, even if it's crap. Third, that was a joke. Come on, people. Change table. Third, a desk. A desk is just a work table. We have tables for important moments. A picnic table. We get to take everything that we do tabling-wise, and we put it outside. Like, it's clever. No, that's what we used to do, like, all the time. Like, tables were just outside, right? Um, there, there's folding tables where we can literally take a table and set it up anywhere. Okay? There are tables for specific functions. There are billiard tables in which you play pool. A poker table in which you play poker. And then there's a special game table for people who play table top games. Wow. Okay? At the church, we have the Lord's table. It's where we take communion. But that isn't the first table that the Lord used to commune with his people. In the tabernacle, there was the golden table that held the bread of presence. The altar of incense in the tabernacle of the Old Testament, which is where they, uh, they burnt incense um, to signify the prayers being floated up to heaven. The Ark of the Covenant, the Bible describes, has the law, which is the Ten Commandments, which is written on what? Tables of stone. Tablets, tablets of stone, little tables. To symbolize the Passover, a meal would be prepared and people would sit around a, you guessed it, table to partake of it. And that's just the noun of the verb. uh, That's just the noun of the word table. Now we use table as a verb too. We table discussions until later. And then tables is also used as kind of these idioms in everyday life. We turn the tables on someone during an argument. A villain is someone who deals under the table with another person not to get caught. I say all this to say that no matter who you are, where you are, where you're from in life, tables are part of it. And if we're going to be Christ's community, Christ's community... I want you to know that tables should be part of that too. For the last couple weeks, if you've not up to date yet, we're on iTunes. Please listen to the last couple of messages so you can track with us. We talked about who we should be as Christ's community. And then we talked about that, who we should be as Christ's community is founded, a foundation of love. And then it's how do we reach out to people? How do we welcome people into our community? And then three weeks ago, I know we've had a break since then, we talked about clicks and how do we make it to where we, we don't click. Now, what click is people that think more highly of themselves than the people around them, so, around them. So how do we make sure that we don't become a click? 
But you can't just tell somebody to not do something. You'll learn this in life. You have to give somebody something to fill that something that they shouldn't do. So if you're telling them, don't do that with your time, you have to give them something to fill their time with, or they will simply go back to doing what they have been doing. And that's what we're going to talk about today, is this concept of tabling together. Okay? So, how should we go about tabling? How do we make tabling part of our culture? And, and the, the answer to that is we've got to do things around a table. Okay? Now, this isn't some original idea. This isn't an AJ exclusive. It's the Lord's idea because it's the main vehicle in which tables were made. In almost every table mentioned in my opening monologue, they were made to have more than one person sit around them. Every table is made for more than one person. Most tables are designed for even four or more people. And this is your kind of first fill in the blank, and that is this. Most likely, the people you know that know you best and who know you best in return are the people you have tabled the most with. Most likely, the people who know you best and who you know best in return are the people you have tabled the most with. And these times of tabling together are probably not very planned. They probably just happened. At these tables are probably moments of awkward silence, of intermittent laughter, and are sometimes tears. And this is your next... uh, No, it is not. Man. Sorry. But I want you to hear this statement. Your best friends in life will not be the ones that you spend the most planned events together. Your best friends in life will be the ones where you're just sitting around doing nothing together. So why are we talking about tabling at Yak? Because if we're serious about growing in community, if we want to grow community if we want to expand community, if we want deeper community, it will only be done at a table. Turn with me to Acts 2, and let's look how this passage describes Christ's community. Acts 2. Would anyone like to read for me so I don't have to? Acts 2. Acts 2. Thank you, Jordan. Verses 42 through 47. Acts 2, 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had things in common. And all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Awesome. Let's pray before we dive into the passage real quick. Father God, as we look at your word, may we be convicted of the areas that we need to be sharpened. Uh, May we see the spots where we need to be sanctified and where we need to lean into you more. Um, Lord, may we table well um, as we grow in community. In your son's name, amen. Uh, 
Um, I know for those of you with OCD, um, the next thing I'm about to say is going to mess with you. We're going to go backward through the passage, so calm down. Um, so we're going to go backward through the passage to kind of see what they're talking about. First, it's your next fill in the blank. They were following the most important commandment. We talked about this um, twice in the last couple weeks, um, and that's in verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their not, uh, praising God and having favor with all people. We talked about this when we discussed clicks three weeks ago. That if you are not focused on loving God and loving others, then cliques will begin to form. That's kind of the antidote to a clique. Love God, love others. Because you begin to think of yourself more highly than you ought if not. We have to be reminded that this is what we're called to do as Christ's community. We're called to love God and love others. And we need to be reminded of this often. That this is not about you. This is not about you. That this is, this is about making us whole. We can break that down in transformation groups if you want. Second, and we'll come back to discuss this when we discuss the application. They broke bread in their homes. They broke bread in their homes. That's your next fill in the blank. And the next three fill in the blanks are going to come at you really fast. This is a short lesson tonight. And that's this. A person needs food to live. A person needs food to live. A person needs shelter for protection. And lastly, a person needs intimacy to grow. A person needs intimacy to grow. The beauty of all these things that I just described is that they all can be found at a table. In all the groups I have ever been a part of in my life, the ones that were the closest were the ones that broke bread together. It not just fills your stomach, but fills for the part of you that longs for a different sort of sustenance. When I was a junior in college living, not for the first time by myself, but for the first time in an apartment with a kitchen and a dining room table. I had lived in an apartment with just a kitchen. But me and my um, roommates used to do dinner together regularly. Um, And not only that, um, regularly we would invite people over for dinner. And I'll tell you this, especially those of you that are seniors and juniors, you will begin to feel most like an adult when these moments happen. When you're sitting around going, hey, we're all like 18, 19, and 20, and... Well, we just made dinner, and you brought dessert, and this is very adultish. What do I do with this? I should order a pizza so I feel more like a teenager again. Like, no, like, it was those moments that community happened. Life happened. Our guests would come. They'd bring wine. They'd bring dessert. We'd provide the main dish. And it was a lot of fun. And we didn't have anything planned. It wasn't, not, it wasn't like bingo night at the Grig. Like, we didn't have that. We just said, come and be. And it's the same thing with other groups I've been a part of, whether it's been acapella groups or choir groups or theater groups. The closest-knit theater groups I've ever had are the ones that we'd rehearse and then we'd all go out to eat together after. 
I'm sure for some of you it's those sports teams or there's other things that you've been a part of where it's those times where you fellowship together around a watermelon after a hot game or if you've played soccer, orange slices. I swear that's the one reason they give you orange slices at halftime is to create community. Okay? But that's how community happens. And this is the third thing they did outside of Breaking Bread. It's your next fill in the blank. Is that they followed the spiritual disciplines. We'll be talking about spiritual disciplines when it comes to being Christ's community here in the next couple weeks. But for now, I just want us to realize that that's what they did. They did spiritual disciplines. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to breaking of bread and of prayers. They were committed to God and they were committed to one another. The way they expressed this was by listening to scripture Spending time together, eating together, and by praying together. And this one's not there, but I think it's just assumed throughout most of Scripture, especially when it comes to just the relationships found in Psalms and in Proverbs. And I bet they laughed together too. There was a bunch of laughter. I was talking with a friend this week. We were talking about just things of this world and how do we balance the things that we love in the world and our love for Jesus and he said, do you, think, do you think Jesus played games with the disciples around the campfire? And I, I bet they did. I, I bet they played games like tic-tac-toe. You know what I mean? I bet him and Judas would were sitting there with sticks. Like, or, or I bet they'd ask silly questions. Like, what would you do if you, you know, stumbled upon a carriage with, you know, thousands of pieces of um, gold coin. What would you do with that? I bet they did life together. I bet they laughed. I bet they visited family, invited other people to the table, ate together. Jesus had a really big meal. There were at least 5,000 of them. But it was always around the table. So based on that, let me give you some challenges as we move forward with Christ's community. First challenge I want to give you is the obvious for every introvert in the room. And that is tabling will be hard for many of you. And I don't think it's because you're an introvert. Because all the introverts in here that I've done table with your families, you're like the loudest people at the table. Right? Like, it's it's just how it works once you get to know someone around a table. See, the problem is that many of you live in a culture, and by all, I think all of you live in a culture where your whole day is planned. You go from one activity to another, or if you're Ariana, you go from one sport to another. Dear heavens, girl. And that means that every activity, every group of friends, everything is scheduled. Even your times with friends have to be on the calendar. You have to schedule to hang out. And some of the time, that's planned. In America, we have a hard time of just being together if it's not scheduled. You know, it used to be back in the day, Todd remembers this, where people would show up at your house uninvited. Just to, we call it, drop by. And then you would spend time being together, and then they'd, like, leave. But now people show up at your house and knock on your door and you're all like running like, so we get the gun. Everyone down. Everyone down. We don't know who it is. We don't know who it is. 
You know, you approach someone's house, you got a call from like the driveway. Is everyone okay? Are you in there? Is it clear for me to approach? Yes? Okay, good. We don't know how to be together anymore. It was funny, both on my trip to Africa and little Haiti, they knew how to be together. We'd show up to church service both Sunday mornings, and this happened each time I was there. It hit 10 o'clock or 9 o'clock or whatever time we were supposed to start start church service, and they wouldn't. And I'm the American, and all of us were Americans on the trip. We're like, it's it's time to start. And, like, one of us would actually, like, work up the gumption to, like, go up to the pastor at the time. I forget who went up to Mbumi. I'd be like, hey, Mbumi. Um, <laughs> like, he didn't know, right? Church was supposed to start, like, 20 minutes ago. And each time they'd, they'd say something like, well, Mrs. or Mr. So-and-so isn't here yet. We'll wait for them, and then we'll start. And that's a two things. One, those people were so committed to their group that they knew they were coming. And two, people were more important than getting somewhere on time. And so I was like, well, what do we do? I remember this question. What do we do, Mbumi? And he said, just just be. And we're Americans, right? It's not on the schedule to just be. I don't know how to just be. I don't even know what that means. Like I see and D and E all the time, but I don't know how to be. I just don't. So for many of you, it'll be hard. And it'll be uncomfortable because it's not something planned. But the more you learn how to just be, the more fine you will be. Two. Second. And this is the big one. I hope you talk about some of this in Transformation Group. I would encourage you to make time to table together. I would encourage you to make time to table together. Some of you have expressed to me and some shape or fashion that you don't necessarily feel part of a group. Okay? If that's the case, table together. Find opportunities within the craziness of your life to say, I'm not going to do that crazy thing anymore. And on Friday nights, it's just table time. Like, we're going to invite people over. It's Sunday after church. Hey, Every Sunday, mom and dad, it's Sunday after church. Can I invite people over? What do you want to do? Because that's what they're going to ask. They're so American. Your parents are so American. They want to know the schedule, right? So, no, I just want to, I want to hang out. Well, what are you going to do? We're just going to be. That doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't mean, are you like, are you on drugs? Like, that's what they might ask you. Like, right? Like, what are you doing? But like, we need to learn how to table together. Um, I'm going to ask this specifically of your parents when we have our meeting in May. But we need to find more opportunities to table together. So I want you, because remember this is your ministry. This is not your parents' ministry. This is not AJ's ministry. To look at the craziness of your life and find moments where you can table together. One of the things that we're doing now with the seniors, um, which we're opening up to seniors and then young adults, is that... At the Swanson's house every Tuesday, odd Tuesday, it's going to be odd Taco Tuesday. And every young adult, senior in high school and above, can just show up and we'll have tacos. You just got to tell me you're coming. No. I know, I know you want the tacos. 
but like, this was really convicting for me this week. Like how, Corey, I know we got three kids. We have every excuse, right? We got three, five and under of not being involved in people's lives. So how can we make time to table together? Because that's the only way we're going to build community. So Odd Taco Tuesday was formed. Okay? So every odd day that's a Tuesday. And that's when y'all are seniors next year. Some of you, you better show up. Okay? Or when you want to. It's all up to you. Right? Drop by. You're a millennial. I know you're not going to tell me till an hour before you pull in. Right? But just show up. Okay? So that's one of the things. So for you too, find times times to do that. And learn how to do it. Okay? Um, Again, I encourage you to make time to table together. And lastly, the table is where God works. The table is where God works. This is your next fill in the blank right after the table is where God works. Man might have invented the end table, but God made the beginning one. Man might have invented the end table, but God made the beginning one. Okay, AJ, that's good. You're a wordsmith. What the heck does that mean? (laughs) Look, tables are where friendships are formed, solidified, and built. Tables are where we learn, where wisdom is shared, where people from every tongue, tribe, nation, poverty, in poverty, out of poverty, rich, poor, social economic class, doesn't matter, That's where relationships are forged. If you want to turn to Proverbs 9, you can. I'm going to read it to you here. Proverbs 9 is one of the wisdom proverbs, and it talks about here, how do we gain wisdom? And it uses the description and compares a woman of wisdom with a woman of folly. And this is what it says. It's talking about the woman of wisdom. This is Proverbs 9, 1. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. So everything leading up to that portion of Proverbs 9 has all been for the purposes of setting her table. But again, it's not just her table. It's not just herself that she's inviting to the table. What does she do? She has sent out her young woman to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come, eat of my bread and drink of my wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Again, I could go on to talk about the contrast between the woman of folly and the woman of wisdom. Maybe I'll do that at another time. But I want you to realize here that a table is where wisdom happens and where learning happens and where community happens. God is a God of beginnings and of new beginnings. So make it a habit. Make a place at the table. Your table, your table and ultimately the Lord's table.